I V M. The Inheritors Podcast Series by Bloomberg Quint. Welcome to The Inheritors by Bloomberg Quint, a podcast series. I am Sonu Bhasin. Today we have with us Rajiv Dubey, and we will talk about what professionals look for in a family business. Rajiv is part of the Mahindra Group. He is the group president, HR and corporate services, and CEO of the aftermarket sector. He is also a member of the group executive board. of mahindra and mahindra limited besides this he also serves on the boards of several group companies rajiv is a member of the governing board of the ilo the international labor organization geneva and serves on the board of international organization of employers in geneva welcome rajiv it's a pleasure to have you with us thank you it's uh, at least equally my pleasure to be on the show with you So Rajiv, we go back a long way. For me, more than thirty years, we are part of the same uh, cadre called the Tata Administrative Service, and uh, you are now with Mahindra's. Now, in a different world, would they be looked at as family-owned, professionally managed family, or would they even be considered as family businesses? Uh, you know, now that's a question that uh, I guess is a matter of taste and some kind of definition. But frankly, uh, I would uh, rate both of them as professionally run. Uh, you know, whether are they family owned? That depends upon the definition of what ownership means. But they are certainly what I would call very professionally run companies. Yeah, and they are actually um, aspirations of a large number of family businesses that are not yet big. And when they talk of what they want to become when they grow older or bigger, the Tatas and the and groups like Mahindra's are always cited as uh, groups that they want to become. And uh, you know there's one dichotomy that i find that every family business uh tells its people to behave like a professional one and when uh you go and work in any professional business a multinational business the message to the teams is behave as if you're working in a family now what do both sets of people mean yeah well you know if you ask me it's not a question of either or I think that you need both. You need professionalism, and you need to have a feeling of family and connectedness. And so, then your next question probably would be, what do you mean by professional? No, no? my next question also is, can they really go hand in hand? Yeah, I think they can, and actually they should. And in a really good, innovative uh, company that is going to. Uh, grow and prosper in this new normal which is you know vuka volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous and there's a lot of pushback from all stakeholders you need to have a combination of the two to survive and grow so i don't think they are incompatible now so therefore the question is what is the meaning of professional my uh, understanding of professional is that there is there are uh, processes there are if you like decision rules and there is a respect for knowledge and competence things are not arbitrary 
this is what I understand by professionalism. Now, does it mean that it has to be bureaucratic? Does it have to be hierarchical? Can cut it be innovative? And cut and dry? No, I don't think so. Uh, in fact, if you have processes and you have decision rules, it actually allows far greater freedom for people to exercise dis uh, discretion, for people to be empowered, for people to be entrepreneurial in their... So, uh, I, so I, you know, the dichotomy to my mind is a, a false dichotomy, perhaps because of historical reasons. But I think in the new normal, then you need to have a coexistence of professionalism with family. With family. Or could it also be, and that's the way I look at it, is that the family businesses see themselves as... Uh, lacking in the systems and the processes and the yeah. cut and dried approach that you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. And therefore, they want their people to behave more like professionals. Yeah. And a typical average multinational uh, sees itself as, you know, following structure, following processes, and therefore they want to bring in that little bit of humaneness yeah. into their employees. Yeah. Maybe? Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I certainly agree uh, that. There are uh, organizations that swing heavily either to one or to the other. But there are organizations, and I think uh, Mahindra and Tata are definitely examples uh, where the two seem to happily coexist. Now, there are uh, you know, some Tata companies where you may have more of one and less of the other, or you may have a Mahindra company which has more. But these definitely, from my own experience, because these are the two groups that I work currently for the Mahindras and I uh, you know, worked for the Tatas, but I found a mix where there was professionalism in the sense of having structure and process and decision rules, and yet there was empathy and yet there was connection. We had very good relations. There was a lot of humaneness and humanity and empowerment and meaning. And there, were, there was entrepreneurism. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, to my mind, uh, uh, processes and the structure cannot be in the absence of humaneness. Uh, I don't know whether you, you watch, uh, there is one video of which was going viral on YouTube and WhatsApp where they have a judge in America and, you know, for minor violations like parking or uh, failure to pay some other small fee, uh, he, using the rule book, used to bring, is, is bringing around some very innovative but humane solutions. Uh, like a guy who's, uh, who did not pay the parking uh, uh, ticket uh, was asked to take his son out for breakfast as a fine. Now, I'm sure that because he's a judge, he's not breaking a law, uh, but he's found a way to uh, give punishment, if you want to call it that, but do it in a humane, humane. manner and still send out the message. Yeah. And there are, I'm sure you have examples from your own career in either of the groups or any others where you may have come across examples where humaneness and structure are not contradictory. Yeah, plenty, plenty of examples. And in fact, if you, uh, Sonu, I think that the there is a complete shift of paradigm that is occurring in management thinking, which is that you can do great business while being good human beings. There was an earlier paradigm, I think, at least that's what I uh, remember in the old days, where it was almost as if 
you were either a good human being or you did good business right and people made uh, these into role models you know the lean mean fighting machine which was a professional company uh, which was it could be a professional company or which could even be a family run company but it was almost assumed that to be successful in business you could not be a good human being and i think what is now emerging is that actually you need to be a good human being if you want to do well and have sustained business outperformance they are not in conflict and to me this is a huge paradigm shift mm. and i have always said we have to get away from the tyranny of either or which is very convenient and move to the power of and where you cannot get away from exercising your discretion you cannot ru- use rules and processes to shock your responsibility of having to take a decision and and does being a good human being or the humanness uh, come more easily to family businesses because of the whole patriarchal structure uh, you know when you think of a family business by default almost by default you think of a patriarch not a matriarch that's another question not for this podcast but you think of a patriarch and a patriarch is almost like a benevolent dictator well can we beloved can we discuss no no so i'm 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 talking of of of, of a, a benevolent uh, yeah. Uh, dictator so if, yeah so if it's a benevolent dictator yes then one may think but you know the danger always is that the benevolence can turn to despotism so i have heard enough stories of family run uh, businesses where they have not necessarily been the most benevolent and humane of people and equally i have heard the other way round that you know even in a so called impersonal clinical rule book run organization people have displayed enormous you just gave an example of a judge now i i have heard that uh, in the nordic countries in norway i think uh, they don't have jails anymore mm. or or prisoners are, live in homes houses where they have tv they have beds and it's assumed to be punishment enough that they're not with their families mm. we still need to have cells and we torture uh, our uh, uh, prisoners in jail or whatever other inhuman things we do and in our police stations but that's not necessarily the norm so people have used history and precedent and rules that perhaps was required in an animal kind of a kingdom and they have persisted and we have refused to change we have re- refused to challenge these assumptions and i think a lot of these assumptions are completely wrong and do you think that the next gen which is now coming back into the family businesses is bringing about this change in the family businesses because they yeah. have most of them have gone overseas to study they have uh been exposed to the world view yeah. are they coming back with almost like a breath of fresh air uh, so no to be truthful i have i can only say i hope so i do not have enough experience to be able to definitely say it is so but uh, i hope that people who are educated abroad would tend to bring in a, a fresh air but i'm not very sure i mean nor do i think that you need to be terribly educated mm. uh, to be good, <laughs> to good uh, and beings. to be excellent business people so i don't see a, a necessarily a one on one relationship mm. yeah the reason i say that is because uh, uh, 
again talk you know talking specifically about family owned businesses yeah. uh the perception is that they are rooted in traditionality yeah so they may have modern offices they may have you know glass and chrome buildings but their mindset and the way of thinking is traditional and it is only when the uh, 20 year old or the 25 year old comes back mm-hmm. and comes back and tries to talk to papa to say why don't we do things differently that maybe something starts changing yes but then the question is you know they want the professionals to come in uh, the the new newer generation they don't want the old family loyalists sitting there yes. uh, you know that's that's a challenge that is faced no i how, know that how do yeah. how do professionals live with this kind yeah. of uh, it's a difficult uh, one uh, you know work situation yeah it's a difficult one i know i mean what you're saying i have personally seen uh, people who have come and talked to me that they're going through this exactly what you said it's a next generation they want to bring in professionals and there's a real conflict that they are having inside themselves also that here we have the family retainer who's done a good job but who's totally out of sync with the new way of working that we want to bring in so now i can only hope that people find a humane way of of handling this transition you know where with, there is respect with, but with, it has to be done yeah with the majority 80 to 90% of world commerce in the hands of family owned businesses yes. poor professionals don't have a choice but to at some stage work in a family owned business right, how how can they how can they prepare themselves to work in a family owned business well i <laughs> i guess by first understanding how family owned businesses are run and then having a mindset to say that okay this is what i'm going in for and i'm willing to do it but as you rightly say there is a shift that is taking and i think the shift will also be pushed by the demographic composition of the workforce because i think the younger folk because in the same way as the younger folk on the ownership side have a different view of the world so to do the younger folk in the um, in, in the workforce, workforce yeah. they also would have a very different approach to uh, obeying rules or to showing respect versus earning respect how much is it that they are willing to keep quiet because they may want to their voice to be heard at a much earlier age so i think there is a a definite shift in the preferences of how younger folk want to be uh, dealt with and i think that's a real issue and this may be as much of a driver in changing the way Uh, family-owned businesses may have worked in the past, or even so-called professional firms. Uh, even professional companies have to change the way in which people behave. Yeah, they do. They yeah. do. Otherwise, people don't want to work yeah. in uh, in organizations that don't give them what they're looking for. But yes. then, you know, then the question that I have is, and since you've recruited a lot of senior people yes. and top talent yeah. for various group companies. Yeah. what is it that top people top talent look for yeah. in any job yeah so i think first of course they need to assure themselves that they are coming into an organization that has good business prospects so that they have a longer runway given that i think the biggest concern is the culture of the organization the values by which the uh, people uh, operate what kind of people will i be having to deal with i think culture and values to my 
mind are the biggest concerns that these people have and indeed it is the biggest concern that we have when we are hiring senior talent. Of course, we look for technical competence, but perhaps more important than pure technical competence is the culture and the values and the worldview uh, that they bring to the table. Will, you know, can they be trustworthy? Do they have authenticity? Uh, are they able to combine logic and intellect with compassion and with empathy? Uh, how would they be as team players? Would they respect others? Would they listen? Or are they so full of themselves and their own brilliance that they're only concerned about showing how smart they are and about telling people what to do? Which is oh. enough to put off any patriarch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, how do they handle failure? How do they handle failure? Yeah. How do they, uh, you know, take risk? Mm. Uh, how open are they to the possibilities that exist in any situation? Or are they prisoners of their own past, their own past success or indeed could be their failure too. So these are the things that are, uh, you know, so what people look for culture and similarly we look, what is the inner space? Yeah. In addition, of course, to their technical competence. Yeah. Hey, this is Shridhar And I'm Amit Doshi. And we host Shunya One. It's a really fun podcast where we talk to some of the best entrepreneurs in the country. Yes, talking about everything from their startup challenges to what they're building and all the future of technology right here. So catch us on the IVM podcast website app or wherever you listen to your podcast from. So when people uh, look for culture, uh, again, coming to a patriarch uh, defined family business, does the culture of the patriarch actually determine the perception of the culture of the organization and does can it be a, an attraction or uh, you know the opposite of it yeah. for professionals okay so the answer my view that yes most certainly the 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 mindset and the culture of the top man has a huge influence on the culture and mindset of the rest of the organization. So clearly, uh, people say, what kind of a guy is Mr. So-and-so? And therefore, they will assume that their organization also would display the same thing. Right? I, don't, I don't want to get into names. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and your second question was, can this be an advantage or a disadvantage? And the answer is, it could be either a huge advantage or it could even be a huge disadvantage, depending upon what characteristics and culture but and value you, the top guy has. If you look at has. somebody like Steve Jobs, yeah. uh, he wasn't known to be the best uh, temperamented guy. Correct. But, but he, gave he was else. able to right. attract top talent. Yeah, because of something else that they were looking for, which... He was able to give them. So they had to make a compromise. Okay, we are going to be coming in and dealing with a really lousy human being who would create all kinds of interpersonal problems, but we are willing to live with that to be able to work in an organization or in a culture where there's huge innovation or there's very high quality standards or where we are always sort of trying to say how to uh, break through the envelope. So people make compromises. You can't get everything everywhere. Yeah, and you know there may be some organizations that use money as uh, an attraction, could be. Could and people be. And are then willing they to make that kind of people. Yeah, people are willing to make yeah. compromises sure. for short 
periods of time to say yeah. let's earn our money yeah. <laughs> live in that culture yeah. and then and then move out true right but uh, the uh, professionals of today uh, talking about culture talking about uh, the kind of decisioning powers that they need yeah. is there something in family owned businesses that could be attractive to them yes yes there could be so for example if family if a family business has quicker decision making is willing to take more risk and therefore is more entrepreneurial uh, if they are willing under within certain parameters to also give uh, empowerment or even without empowerment so people will you know make their judgments that this is what is really important to me and if i get that in due measure i'm willing to live with some other things which are a minus so i think in all situations there are pluses and minuses and then we make our calls which of the pluses and minuses are really more significant for us and on balance if there are more pluses than minuses we go in for that but if the minuses become more than the pluses then, then we yeah, don't and uh, actually uh, uh, you know the professionals need to be attracted like the like the inheritors also need to be attracted yeah. into the business looking around you and you know seeing the variety of people that you deal with not only in india mm. but also overseas is there something that you find that a patriarch or a family itself does uh to be able to attract and yeah. retain good talent yeah you know i see that a lot of family owned firms are actually creating uh, almost if you like uh, two ecosystems one which is completely run by the professionals and which they don't interfere with too much other than a certain review process and then there's another ecosystem where maybe they are taking a different kind of decision where they would be more actively involved i think this kind of a structure uh, seems to be emerging and i've seen lots of people saying that look i'm going to hire professionals and i'm going to uh, give them the empowerment to do this but as the family member and as the owner i will define for myself a different role it could be a role of oversight it could be a role of larger strategy or larger business decision making and then it's not that you necessarily exclude the professionals but you would not interfere too much with the uh, world that or the ecosystem that you have prescribed for the professional i see that happening i don't know what your observation is so because you have studied this subject very deeply you know it is like you said it's a changing process and uh no you know it is about uh, uh whether there is a uh, how do professionals and family people coexist and is it so a there plus is, or a minus there is there is actually the professionals this? most of them complain about the family mafia uh they come into a business mm. and uh, uh they have their formal channels of communication but there is a family mafia that exists yeah. between actually members of the extended family yeah. as well as the family loyalists yeah. and uh, the professionals may like the the environment they may like the operational freedom yeah. but what they are most uncomfortable yeah. about is the fact that uh 
they don't know who has the year of the seth ji yeah. and they don't know who's going to go and say something about them and that is something that worries them uh, yeah. uh, 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 extensively yeah. and funnily the 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 family owners that i have spoken to completely deny yeah. the existence of a family mafia wow. and uh, yeah. they do not for a moment believe that there are that they encourage uh, uh, you know people to come and talk to them about uh, uh, other people yeah. but uh, yeah. we know that uh, this happens in professional organizations yeah, but different kind as, of mafia as, as well yeah <laughs> it's yeah. A, but at least i'll tell you one the one the big, big difference is that in a professional company at least people can aspire to make it to the top if it's a professional organization but if in a family run organization there are some positions that are just totally beyond yeah. their reach then that could be an important consideration for them and where they know that no matter how good they are no matter how brilliantly they do they will still have to report in to somebody who is from the family even if that somebody is not really uh, 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 someone they can respect for for their professional competence no so to come back to how can a family or what does a family do to prepare itself to attract top talent is this one of the things that they need to do to yes. actually make a difference between uh, a family member being also the manager so being a, yeah. uh, separating the ownership from the management yeah yes i think so that if you know so you can have family people on the board along with some professionals but you need not have uh, them completely controlling the ex- executive part now you see obviously if if a family member is not on the executive part he won't understand the business right but how do you strike that balance so that the professionals don't feel like second rate citizens i think that's an important thing because if somebody feels like a second rate citizen is hardly uh, uh, he's hardly conducive like, to yeah, like, better or to attracting other people because people it, want empowerment people want to be able to contribute people want to be recognized people want to make it to the top i mean that those are natural uh, human aspirations but if i if i look at it now from the family business owner side I've had patriarchs complain to me to say we bring in professionals we pay them the top salary they present to us lovely business plans based on that we commit crores and crores of investments and just when the project starts they find themselves a better job and, and off leave, they yeah. go where does that leave me yeah i mean that's I a mean, yeah, that, like, that's a very legitimate complaint so so <laughs> how 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 do people work with situations like these yeah, well they have to just work it through <laughs> and you know sometimes the grass is always greener on the other side yeah, yeah so i mean we'll just have to learn to live with it sonu because the fact is that uh, no matter which country you look at uh the small and medium and family businesses will always be a very important part of the economy and and if you look at it numerically only a very small proportion of people actually would be working in so called totally professional firms yeah but then if you look at it a totally professional firm um uh 
also has an identified boss of course and who they behaves have a like a, <laughs> who behaves like a de facto patriarch correct uh, we've just had uh, cases where uh, professionals refuse to get to retire uh, they've run that organization for 24 years or 25 yeah, yeah, years and even after you know they they retire they come back as chairman emeritus or isn't that emulating a family business uh, it is. what do professionals yeah. do yeah, there yeah, yeah. so as i said it's not whether it's a companies is a professional company or a family owned company what is important is how is it run and i think that is the more important distinction the way an organization is run rather than the structure of the ownership i think that is a very good point that yeah. it really doesn't matter whether yeah. it's professionally yeah. owned uh, or it is family owned i think it is a ba- basis how it is run yeah. and that leads back to the person which leads back to the humanness it does and to recognizing that there are certain basic human needs that all human beings have the need for connection the need to feel that they are contributing the need to be recognized you know so and of course the biggest need i guess ultimately is to find meaning in the work that they do to be able to connect their everyday work with something of a higher order purpose we all look for in our lives we, and i think empowerment and respect are two very very major things which along with meaning give people the passion to come and work and which at the end of the day to my mind is a major if not the most important differentiator between an organization that will succeed and one that won't the passion that people bring to work every day and that is possible only if people are empowered if they are respected and if they find meaning in what they do and uh, it doesn't matter whether it is professional no, it and doesn't. if and in if if a family business wants to get these kind of committed people then it needs to transform itself into a body that attracts such people and equally so called professional firms cannot hide behind processes and rules to be inhuman and to shirk taking Uh, subjective decisions that are uh, respectful of people both ways absolutely <laughs> so it all comes back to the human touch and humanness and on that note thank you very much rajiv i enjoyed my conversation with you and look forward to having more thank Th- you for being with us my privilege and i enjoyed the conversation at least as much as you did <laughs> thank you thank you The Inheritors podcast series by Bloomberg Quint. Do you have a night routine? Well, everyone has one, and the to-do list usually looks like this: brush your teeth, set that alarm, get into your pajamas, and switch off those screens. But here's one more to add to that list. Tune into the Positively Unlimited podcast for a dose of positive action and tips on how to build powerful mindsets. Episodes out every Monday on the IBM Podcast app, ibmpodcast.com or wherever you tune into podcasts.